His grace toward us is great. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. If you're able to remain standing uh, for the reading of God's Word, then can, uh, continue to do so. If, if not, please be seated. Take a Bible, whether it's in the pew. If, if you're using a pew Bible, take and turn to page 1018. I think that would get you to our text. Otherwise, 2 Peter chapter uh, 1. And uh, we'll look at just a sliver of verse 5, but I'm going to start at verse 1 again and, and uh, read over to verse 7 and stop there. This is God's Word for us this morning, and here's what God says. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, By the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every Effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self control, and self control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. You may be seated. Thank you, Father, for your word. There's no word like your word. And so now as we spend these next moments considering your word, help us, Father. Help us that we behold Jesus in fresh ways. Help us that your very presence, your very spirit would be at work in our midst, changing, working in our hearts. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. This summer, we're spending 11 weeks thinking about these 11 verses in 2 Peter chapter 1. Our focus, we've spent a couple of weeks looking at verses 1 and 2 and 3 and 4, but our focus, seven of the 11 weeks, will be to slow down and consider what's being stated for us in verses 5, 6, and 7. The role that effort, our effort, grace-empowered, grace-enabled effort is to play in our Christian maturity and development. We are told here for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And we looked at last week, virtue. Moral goodness. We are to make every effort to cultivate virtue in our lives. And now the second item the sec- uh, in our list that Peter mentions is, is now as we 
make every effort to add virtue to our faith. Now make every effort to add knowledge to that virtue and that faith. Two things I want us to consider this morning as we look particularly at what it uh, entails to cultivate knowledge in our service and in our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Two things, and I'll probably spend the most amount of time on the first thing. First, just considering knowledge. What are, what are we talking about here when it says, add to your virtue knowledge? And then we'll spend a, a little bit of time then practically considering uh, what it consists of to cultivate knowledge. So, considering knowledge, cultivating knowledge. He says, make every effort to add to your faith virtue, and then add to your virtue knowledge. Make every effort to add knowledge to our life and to our experience. And, and yet we've already bumped into the word knowledge of sorts. It was already used for us in um, the first couple of verses. And for instance, in verse 2, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And then in verse 3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through uh, the knowledge of him. Now what we noted about though in those two words, in verse 2 and verse 3, that, that word knowledge there in those two verses is, is slightly different. It's a different word for knowledge than the word for knowledge that, that Peter is now using here in verse 5 and, 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 and in verse 6, actually, as well. Slightly different words. Well, the point we made in verses 2 and verse 3 is uh, the word there for, for know is, is to know something in a relational sense. You, you know a person because... You're living in relationship with that person. And, and we noted at that time that that's really what it means to have faith in Jesus. To, to trust in Jesus means that we, that we live in a real and in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we do not merely know some things about him. Um, we do not merely know a couple of things of him, but we know him. We live in relationship with him. And, and, and yet, the word that's being used now is, is the word that is really um, used for uh, knowledge in the sense of information. So, which is it? Are, are we to live in relationship with Jesus and have that kind of knowledge? Or are we to have a knowledge that is informed about some things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you, you really can't pull those things apart in, 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 a, in, a, in the best sense. Um, to, 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 to know, uh, for instance, it, how would this work if I said, you know, I, I live in a relationship with Diane, but I don't want to know anything at all about her. Just drives me batty to learn anything about her. How would that work, guys? Uh, that, that wouldn't work too well. So, so to, to, to have a knowledge that is experiential and relational entails, it, it consists of, it involves a, 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 
a knowledge that is based upon knowing some things about that person. To, to live in relationship with the Lord, uh, verses 2 and 3, uh, we want such a relationship to be an informed relationship with the Lord. We want to know about Jesus as a means to growing in how we relationally know Jesus. Knowledge is really not an end in itself. And I think it's very insightful that Peter um, wrote for us, make every effort to add to your faith virtue, and then to add to your virtue knowledge. Uh, Knowledge doesn't necessarily lead to virtue. And so it's so helpful that he, he... He prefaces the pursuit of knowledge by a prior commitment. A a commitment to pursue knowledge must be predicated, it must be built upon a a, a prior commitment of what's this knowledge for? What what is the design as to why you want to know some things? Well, because I want to know some things because I want to pursue virtue. And uh, on the one hand, uh, to to pursue virtue presupposes a certain degree of knowledge. You've got to know what virtue consists of to pursue it. And and yet the way he frames it, we've got to on the front end say, I want to pursue virtue. And so now, now teach me, give me the knowledge of what that virtue consists of. Um, if, we, if we don't start with that prior commitment of virtue predicated upon uh, as, a, as a basis for uh, our, our knowledge, then our knowledge will just simply make us prideful. Our knowledge will be a tool by which we would be able to manipulate people rather than serve and love people. And in our relationship with Jesus, our, our relationship with Jesus presupposes then that we will pursue a life of virtue flowing out of our relationship with Jesus. And, and where knowledge fits in, we want to know what Jesus thinks about virtue. We, we, want to know, we want to know where Jesus is at with these things because we want to pursue a kind of virtue that, that is built upon the, uh, what Jesus knows and thinks about these traits. What does Jesus think is true? What does Jesus think is false? What does Jesus think is right? What does Jesus think is wrong? What does Jesus think is good? What does Jesus think is bad? What does Jesus think is beautiful? What does Jesus think is ugly? What does Jesus think is becoming of me and my life? What does Jesus think is unbecoming of me and my life? What does Jesus think is helpful for me to be about? What does Jesus say is hurtful for me to be about? You see, we've got to connect the dots. We can't on the one hand say, now, I I live in a relationship with Jesus, but I don't need him bothering me. 
trying to insert his opinion and his knowledge as to what is true and false and right and wrong and good and bad and beautiful and ugly. I can figure these things out myself. Huh? You mean you, mean you live in a relationship with Jesus and you, and you don't? That, that relationship is not so robust and pivotal in your life that you don't want to know what he thinks is, the, is true and false and good and bad and ugly and beautiful and right and wrong? See, we want to pursue a knowledge of these things from Jesus. For a knowledge of these things from Jesus is what fosters our grasp, our understanding of what a virtuous life consists of. And yet, as we've already touched on, our prior commitment toward virtue then fosters the right use of that knowledge. To the extent that our minds can grasp from Jesus, through his word, what is true and right and good and bad and beautiful is the extent to which our wills should be resolved to value and to practice such. So... Our point of reference for life, our point of reference for knowing what we should know to live our lives is Jesus. So, a phrase that, that uh, I, I don't know, it, it's been around maybe a decade, maybe a couple of decades. Um, in one way, shape, form, or another, it actually goes back a, a hundred plus years. But, but WWJD, what would Jesus do? I think that's a good start. Because it begins to settle into our, our, our lives that, that um, uh, what my life should be about is not referenced singularly by myself. But, but for me to live in relationship with Jesus, I want to know what he thinks my life should be about. I want Jesus to be the point of reference in my life. So, so what would Jesus do is a good start. It's well-intentioned, and yet, if I could pick on it for a moment, not that I want, to get, want you to get rid of all your bracelets and bumper stickers uh, in reference to that, but it comes up short. It's somewhat insufficient. We, we can do better than just simply asking, what would Jesus do? And I would suggest that there's, there's two groupings of subsequent questions that we could build upon that, that would uh, give us some, some more concrete knowledge uh, as, to, uh, as to how we could grow in our relationship with Jesus by growing in our knowledge about who Jesus is and what he thinks. In other words... There, there's at least three questions that I immediately think of um, that, um, and maybe there's more, but, um, uh, but, but, but these three questions immediately make better the statement, what would Jesus do? The first question, and these are specifically answerable. The first question is, what did Jesus say? Do you see why that's more concrete? What would Jesus do? If we're not careful, then we go to la-la land in our own imaginations. Well, for me, my Jesus would do this. Okay, so, it's, so well, 
one of the one of the nightly news channels in the St. Louis market here, um, they they have a, a regular segment called Verify, uh, and uh, and it's the, the 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 focus of that is supposedly supposedly trying to sort out the difference between. Uh, uh, Fake news and false news, um, and uh, and so they'll, they'll 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 state something that's maybe been displayed on social media, and then they'll kind of verify, fact check that. They'll verify if that which was posted on social media is in fact true. I know that's a big shock to you that that there could be something on social media that maybe is not true. So, but anyway, just get a grip of it. You're, we're going to be okay. Um, but but one of the things they do is they begin to launch into an explanation for this verify, this fact checker, is they list the sources. The sources of this answer are, um, well, what would Jesus do? What, what is the sources of answering that question? And that's why the first question is, what did Jesus say? We have a holy account of what Jesus said. We have a perfect record of what Jesus wants us to remember and take away from what he said. Secondly, uh, what has Jesus done? Not, not so much what would Jesus do, uh, but what has Jesus done? Again, we have a perfect record of not only what he said, but but the things he did. What has Jesus done? And then I would build a third question out of those first two. Uh, What has Jesus shown himself to be like through what he has said and through what he has done? See, these these are specifically answerable questions. that we, 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 we really don't have to, to, to wax and wane in the world of speculation if we stick to the Scriptures to answer these questions. What did he say? What did he do? And how has he shown himself to be like? What has he shown himself to, to be like? Now, I guarantee you, even by watching what he's done as recorded in Scriptures and listening to what he's done in, in Scriptures, that's, that sometimes um, uh, uh, puts us in a bit of stress and tension. Uh, for, for instance, um, in some places, Jesus stresses the fact that he came to bring us peace. And yet in Matthew 10, he says, I did not come to peace, but to bring the sword. And so which one is it? Did he, so, and we have to sort out then in, in that context, why does he mean it this way? And in this context, why does he mean it this way? Or, or even within its own statement, he would say things like, if anyone wants to find himself, he must lose himself. Oh, wait a minute. How can you do finding and losing at the same time? So, so certainly even leading into what we have heard him say through his word causes us to want to think more carefully and more deeply about that. But then there's a, a whole load of other questions in addition to those three, which are specifically answerable. I, I think there's a, a whole host of other questions that are generally answerable. Generally answerable, meaning they, we, get, we get generalized statements. Sticking with the Scripture, we can come up with answers to these questions. Answers such as, to questions such as, what is Jesus doing in the world today? I think we can look to Scripture and find an answer to that question. We, we, don't, have to, 
We don't have to go and ask your brother-in-law as a source for that. We, we don't have to speculate. We can open the book and, and, and read uh, uh, of the implications in order to answer what is, is Jesus doing today. What role does he wish me to play in, in, in life today, in this world today? What kind of person does he wish for me to become? How does he wish for me to view the things of this world? How does he wish for me to view eternal things of God? What do I need to know about standing before him at the end of my life at the seat of judgment? How does Jesus wish for me to respond this week to the sufferings of my life? How does Jesus wish for me to respond this week to the pleasures and joys of life? How does Jesus want me to relate to my work obligations? How does Jesus want me to relate to my rest and recreation? How does Jesus want me to relate to my family? How does Jesus call me to relate to my friends and those around me? You see, see, what I'm saying is that the point of reference, living in relationship with Jesus, then, then places a point of reference for everything we need to know about the life that we live is reference to Jesus. Living in relationship with Jesus, which is what trusting in Jesus is to result in, gives rise, living in relationship with Jesus gives rise to needing to know a lot of things about Jesus and what he wants for us so that we might grow richer and deeper in our relationship with Jesus. And since the nature of our relationship with Jesus is that he is Savior and that he is Lord, we are, we are not talking about a, a relational knowledge among mere equals. We, we are talking about our relational knowledge in which he is the utmost of superior over us. And so, therefore, what he thinks about our lives and what he thinks is the which way is up about these kinds of questions that have framed before us is what we need to be pursuing. At the very end of the book of Second Peter, Peter would say almost as the very last thing of closing, but grow in the grace and knowledge. And the word knowledge there is the, is the informational kind of word for knowledge. In other words, once we know enough to come to Jesus, what are we to do? Just kind of then, um, have, we, have we graduated from, the, uh, from learning more about Jesus? No, we are to ever be growing in our understanding and our knowledge of what Jesus thinks. We are, to, we are to know Him. We are to know of His works. We are to know of His words. We are to know of His will. We are to know of His way. And everything we hear in the world around us should almost, God, give us the grace to, 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 by the prompting of the Spirit that everything we hear in the world around us, that, that we would instantly turn and say, what does Jesus think about that? What's his, what's his take on that statement? The context that we find ourselves in in our life, 
lives today is that we are inundated not with long, thoughtful discourse, but we are inundated today with short, pithy statements. Oh, and man, these things are chock full of worldview and meaning. And, and yet, they're short and they're pithy. And, and so, the, they land on our hearts and they stay there and, 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 they, and, and they, they, they just linger and they teach us. They shape us. We, we are acquiring a body of knowledge about what is good and what is bad and what is true and what is false and what is right and what is wrong and what is beautiful and what is ugly. We are learning that from these short pithy statements that we are barraged with in our culture. Let me give you some of them. And I know I'm going to upset some of us by by stating some of these because some of these are your go-to statements to define reality and to describe life. And so uh, I I suppose I could give you a warning. Just so I don't step on your toes, everyone lift up your legs right now for a few moments and Everybody's legs lifted? All right, we're going to vacuum while you're here too. But anyway, listen to some of the things our culture is telling us. Follow your heart. Listen to your heart. Be true to your heart. Express what's in your heart. The heart wants what the heart wants. Your heart will never lie to you. That's a whole, isn't it so interesting? See, our culture knows how crucial the heart is in in a biblical framework of understanding the human condition. It's just that our culture wants to hijack the, the other supremacy and importance of the heart and train us, catechize us, educate us on a whole other way of operating in relationship to our heart. Be yourself. Find yourself. Can I do both at the same time? But uh, Just be authentic. Look inside yourself. Do your own thing. Live in the moment. If it feels good, do it. You got this. You are enough. You can't help who you love. Love is love. I saw that on a digital billboard going down 70 with lots of colors in the background. Be whatever you want. Do whatever makes you happy. If you believe it, you can achieve it. Trust the science. Follow the science. That's your truth. My body, my choice. My voice must be heard. We could go on. Do you see how our culture is equipping us to think according to its own ways and principles? And in instructing us that way, it is training us to live accordingly. Oh, and they're such sweet phrases. They just land on you and linger on you, and and they're just easy to spit back out, and they're just... They're, they're, they're simple cliches to, to use in the moment when we don't want to say anything and, and, and say a lot at the same time. But 
every one of these phrases, as well as any other phrase, any other way that our world seeks to train us and equip us, we must come back to the question, what does Jesus think about that statement? What has he, where can I find in his word that would uh, be the source of verifying if that statement is just a cute uh, but not innocent statement in our culture or if that statement of, accords with the, the, the truth as it is in Jesus? Quickly, some things about considering knowledge. In other words, I, I, what I want to leave you with is there's a whole lot of things you and I need to know to live this life in relationship to Jesus. So how do we cultivate that knowledge? Well, cultivating knowledge, I, I think I've already bumped into it one way, shape, form, or another, but, but the, the precious gift that God has given to us, given to us by the very agency of the Spirit of God, is His Word. He has given to us everything we need to know pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who's called us by His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us precious and very great promises. We have His Word, and His Word is the source of cultivating knowledge. If we want to know who Jesus is and what it looks like to live and grow and deepen in our relationship with Jesus, then we have to do that with an open book. We have to do that in two contexts. We have to do that personally, and we have to do that corporately. The purpose, a, a, a huge purpose for why we gather on the Lord's Day, we certainly want our Lord to be worshipped, but a way that we worship the Lord is we say, Lord, I want to know what your word says, and so teach me your word. Lord, Lord, teach me through Bible study. Lord, teach me through the sermon and, and the worship. Lord, teach me in the conversations that as we bring out Scripture in each other's lives, Lives. We, we learn corporately, but we also learn personally that there ought to be times that we carve out in the course of our week that, that we are pulling away from the messages that our culture sends to us, and we are retreating into the very source of all that is true and good and beautiful, the Scriptures, and, and that, we are a, that we have a strategy, a plan to, to consistently ingest and intake God's Word in our hearts and in our souls, personally, privately, and yet corporately as well. And there's two components of this cultivating knowledge. Remember when Jesus concluded the Sermon on the Mount, He says, now, the, 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 the wise man is the one who hears these words and does them. The fool... The fool hears them, but the fool does not do or practice them. See, there is a strategy that entails how we receive or acquire the knowledge from God's Word, but that can never be pulled apart from then the, that which completes it, and that is the, the response of our life, the, the application of that knowledge to inform how we think and how we feel and how we talk and how we relate. We, we all have that which prompts us and motivates us. 
I, 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 got, um, I got birthday cards from all, all of my grandkids. And uh, 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 Callie uh, made me a, a, a birthday card, and it, it had uh, me and her on bicycles. And it said, Happy birthday, Papa Joe. Uh, I, I, I'm going to paraphrase this, but we get to ride bikes and talk about books. Just like, I mean, you know, you don't have to be around me very long to know um, that um, if, if there's a lull in the conversation, I, I'm going to talk about that which intrigues me. And some of the things that intrigue me are books and bikes and coffee and... Anyway, we could go on, but... Um, the, why, why am I a source of, of knowledge about those things? Because I delight in those things. No one has to take out a bullwhip and say, you better go learn some more things about bikes or about books or about brewing coffee. Get after it right now. I mean, no, I just... I, there's an internal motivation within me, and that's the same way when it comes to cultivating knowledge through God's Word. God's Word frames how we should feel in reference to it. There should be, in a word, a delight. A delight to cultivate knowledge of Jesus through the pursuit of His Word. And the, the Bible gives us pictures of this delight. It's a, it's a delight that's, that's likened unto acquiring wealth. It's a delight that's likened unto uh, consuming good food. Job 23.12 says, says, I have not departed from your commandments. Uh, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portions of food. Or Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words were found, and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and a delight of my heart. Or in Psalm 119, uh, uh, verses 8 and verse 10, it says, But the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart more to be desired than gold, sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. Or Psalm 119, verse 14, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. What gets you? What do you delight in? No one has to push you or to put you in a headlock to pursue that which you delight in. The way to cultivate a knowledge of our relationship with Jesus, to grow in understanding who he is and what he wants for us, is found in experiencing the delight and the joy of acquiring that information through the very word of God. I close with this. Here's the starting point. The first question is, what has Christ accomplished for us and for our salvation? And I could just play the the recording of what Carl just said as he prefaced the Lord's Supper. 
how Jesus went to the cross having lived a perfect life and having lived a perfect life that fitted him, qualified him to be the perfect sacrifice who would substitute his perfect life and bear up under the curse, the justice of God's wrath because of us and our flawed, sinful, imperfect lives. The way we begin a relationship with Jesus is we have this knowledge that he has died on the cross for our sins. God raised him from the dead, and he is now Lord, and we can call upon him as Lord, and he will save us. We can trust in what he has done in his perfect life, his perfect death, his sacrifice on the cross. We can trust that that's enough to put us once again back into right relationship with a holy God. That's how we start our relationship with Jesus. And as we start that, then the very next moment we now continue and grow in that. Father, thank you for Christ. Thank you for his word. Thank you for all that he has done for us. Thank you for all that he reveals about himself and his work, his will, his word, his ways through the word of God. Help us to make every effort to grow in our knowledge of Jesus. For we pray this in Christ's name.